Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales and later on you're going to be hearing my interviews with the people behind a brand new docudrama on the History Channel about the life of Jesus. That starts on Easter Sunday and I've been speaking to both the actor who plays Jesus and the producers behind the show. So check that out a little bit later on. But before we get there, I'm pleased to say that Rachel Adebayi has sat down with the singer, songwriter, gospel artist Casey J. So let's listen in to her interview now. This is exciting. I am very excited. I'm seated with Casey J. <laughs> he is singer-songwriter... Gosh, worship leader. Do you know what? I feel like everyone always does the titles. Yeah. So I'm just gonna ask you, for people that don't know about you, even mm-hmm. though I know a lot of people do, <laughs> <laughs> tell me who's Casey J. Um, I think at the heart of it, I'm I'm a storyteller. Yes. Um, and the amazing thing is that I've been blessed to be able to tell one of the most amazing stories of all time yeah. in the ways of music and mm-hmm. ways of conversation like what yes. I'm having with you um, <laughs> on stages and off stages um, and I think that is God's grace that he's allowed me to tell his story everywhere yeah. and music is an amazing way to kind of reach is. people but it's not the only way. Definitely. So. I love that. I love that. So you're here in London? I am here yes. in London for the very first time. Oh, it's your first? Yes. yes I'm surprised. Yes. Really? Yeah. I should have been here a long time yeah. ago. Okay, I'm sorry. But it's fine. I'm making it up. I'm here now. <laughs> God has a time for everything. Yes, absolutely. So how are you finding it? It's amazing. The architecture is making me crazy. It's so <laughs> beautiful. Last night we went to... Um, Oxford Circus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is that a, okay? No, it's fine. A Say circus, it with confidence. Oxford, uh, Oxford Circus. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it was beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Lovely. Yes. So have have we inspired you in any way to write a song? You, I'm always thinking. And and I, when I said storyteller, it's because I do other writing than just music. Oh, cool. So I do like a podcast yes. and some other things. So I'm literally always taking little experiences yeah. and figuring out how to make them into a story. Mm, definitely. Um, so London has absolutely inspired that. Yes. <laughs> we are happy. Yes. Now, of course, um, I know that you used to be an elementary school teacher. I did. You taught maths. I did. I taught mathematics. And now you are in full-time ministry Mm -hmm. so just kind of talk me through how long you've been in full-time ministry and what made you get into full-time ministry yeah yeah yeah. so um I'm a church kid so my mom was a choir director my grandmother was a choir director so I've been in church yeah my entire (laughs) life I don't know if that was optional (laughs) at all so I've always served in the local church um so even when I um went to college and got my education degree and started pursuing a career in that way I was still serving Mm. at a at a a local church um 
And so honestly, it started with just one song. And even before that, it started with one moment when I felt like God was saying, I'm gonna do something special, Mm -hmm. but I need for you to tell me yes now. And I picked up all of my stuff and I put it in storage and I moved. Uh, Well, I didn't move, I actually (laughs) lived with friends for like a whole summer. Wow. I quit my job um, and God started to kind of craft this plan and this way for me to get to where I am now. So I started just working in the local church and we recorded one song, Fill Me Up, and I recorded it while I was still teaching full time. Wow. So I wasn't, I didn't like, I'm just gonna be an (laughs) artist and run away. No, I was still still in the classroom. I recorded my first record still in the classroom. I took off that one day. Um, And all of that has just been God's hand on it. I've seen him move and bless things that he's allowed me to be a part of and seen him breathe on it. Mm. Um, And we were even, um, me and my friendager, Yes. yes. <laughs> we were just talking about it's amazing how God has sent the songs that he's breathed in me ahead of me. Mm. So to have songs go places I've never even been yet. Mm. Um, and that's really been my story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. And did your kids ever get to hear Fill Me Up? So <laughs> KCJ is yes. very different than Miss Hobbs. They right. are one in the same body, okay. yes. but very, very different. So every once in a while, my students started to find out towards the end. And sometimes I would lie, God forgive me. Like who? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. That's like the highlight of being a teacher and nobody knows your That's first so name. True. So it's like a double life. It was, it was, know? I felt like a spy sort of. Oh, wow. That's amazing though. And would you if they ever asked you to come and sing you know no i have oh you have i have so this um past march or Mm -hmm. april i got to go back to one of my really good friends school um and did a songwriting class oh that's cool for their elementary school so they actually had me come in for career day which i thought was so dope because when i was a little kid i didn't think about ministry or full-time ministry Mm -hmm. as a career Mm -hmm. i thought about it as something that you did after you got finished with work yeah and so to be able to come on the days that they have doctors and lawyers and all those types of things and be like no my career is writing songs about jesus was super super dope yeah i think it's great as well that although you were a teacher there mm-hmm. you could also come back and just share your gift as yeah. well so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it, both. Was, it was amazing you know? it was amazing 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 so tell me talk to me about fill me up mm-hmm. now when you wrote it like how were you feeling at the time and when it did come out and you know it was on the billboard mm-hmm. it was number one for a number of weeks how did you feel so i actually didn't write it so it's written okay. by a writer named will reagan okay. who writes for a christian band called jesus oh, culture yes 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 yeah yes. so it was actually you a did cover. a cover yes. yeah sorry yeah <laughs> um and it, it actually i became familiar with this song because i was serving at my local church and we were doing a worship conference okay. for worship leaders mm-hmm. and the intention was for them to come it was called refuel um, and to come and just get poured into. So we were just looking for music that would really match that that concept. Yes. Um, and so we came across Fill Me Up and we started singing it at the conference. Oh, yeah. And so then because my church hosted the conference, my church really grabbed a hold of that song <laughs> and we started and I started leading it there. Mm. So when we felt like God was kind of moving us to be able to just release it beyond just the local church. Mm-hmm. That was the song that had sort of been carrying us for the past two years. Wow. So, it like so it, yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. but it was amazing. And I think sometimes when we think of artistry, we think of it as separate from the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's True. so dope when like that start comes out of a group of people not looking for a platform yeah. Yeah. and then God makes it a platform That's after true. the fact. Yeah. Wow. And then obviously you talk about church a lot mm-hmm. and that already shows your your foundation. Yeah. Um, how would you say church has really played a part in your ministry I think I think the heart of what I do is service yeah. um, and I think that was cultivated inside of church mm-hmm. like I remember 
even I can remember right now, my grandmother, when I was a, a little kid on Friday nights, we would go and fill up the communion cups. Yeah. And so there were all of these things that were appointments that you had to show up for and you mm. didn't get anything out of it. No one was paying you, but it was important and it was a priority to serve. Yeah. And I think that mindset is cultivated inside of the local church mm. when it's done well. That's true. But then how does service look like now? Yeah. Because of course now you're more of a solo artist, I'll say. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. the Lord hanging out. <laughs> so how does that look like now? Like you're on tour a lot. Yeah. How do you still serve in your church? I, I think a, it starts with a mindset of serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, the, the word that I think of is prioritizing. Mm-hmm. So I still have a local church yes. in my home yeah. um, that I serve at and mm-hmm. sing at. I'm not on staff there. <laughs> I literally just go and oh, lead worship okay. um, and work with my worship pastor and help her out, even mm-hmm. when I'm not in town, mm-hmm. just um, helping to support her in whatever yeah. way that I can. But I think of even what I do when I'm on the road as service it to is. the church that invites me. Yeah. Um, and so I never like to go in with such a hard agenda that if God is doing something inside of that local mm-hmm. church, that I'm like, well, I'm just here to sing. You're going to listen to these songs. (laughs) I came all the way over here. Like I I still have a heart of service. And if God wants to do something else in that moment Mm -hmm. that I can oblige whatever it is he wants to do greater than me being an artist. Yeah. And what what, what does worship mean to you? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm saying the same word over and over again. But at the heart of worship is a list of priorities. Mm. So I don't think that it's music. Um, I think that music is a catalyst or a vehicle that your worship can happen. Um, but worship honestly is what's most important to you. And worship isn't something that you have to teach or is not something that's learned. We are created for worship mm. and we're going to worship something. Definitely. So whatever's at the top of that's your true. list is the object of your affection. And so I think when we think about worship, what it really is, is trying to every single day, every single moment, prioritize the spirit mm. of God and prioritize his presence. Because if not, whatever kind of moves to the top, our relationship, for our job or whatever that's going to be the object of our worship so it's not whether or not we will worship it's what we'll worship that's very good yeah that's very good now you're about to release a sophomore album i am it's so (laughs) nerve-wracking help no do you know what let's go with that why is it (laughs) nerve-wracking okay so when you get the first record i think i was teaching and so i don't want to say i wasn't taking it seriously but i didn't have (laughs) There's like this sort of naivety that goes with it that you don't really yeah, know yeah, yeah. what's kind going on. Happens. Yeah, it just <laughs> kind of happens. And so I think there's this idea for this record. I mean, I wrote on almost every single song. The concept of the record, it's like something I thought through and mm. shared that vision and cast that vision to people. So this is very much <laughs> me wrapped up in 10 songs. So I think the first time it's like, oh, you're the new girl. (laughs) (laughs) And this time it's like, no, like this is really me. me. And this is him in me. Mm. Um, And I think that level of vulnerability um, and that level of transparency can be really, really scary. What if people are like, I just want to fill me up, girl. I don't know what this is. I don't want this one. You're you're still the same girl. I am still the same girl. (laughs) So like talk me through the journey of from the truth. Uh Uh-huh your first album yeah, yeah. to your sophomore album, which yeah. is The Gathering. The Gathering. The yeah, so I think there was this pivotal moment um, and it may have been around when The Truth first got released. So it got released around April, I believe. Um, and so at this point, the song Fill Me Up is huge, mm. right? And I'm traveling to places that I could never imagine. Like I thought it was the weirdest thing. Like churches want me to come and sing one song. <laughs> okay like it was just odd yeah but I started to have this really sort of 
I don't want to call it a crisis, but I had a conviction that I was going to these large mega churches and all of these amazing places and these concerts and lights and sounds and all those things. But there were some people that were never going to walk foot mm. in those churches. And I think sometimes our stance is the local churches that will get them to come to church. And God just began to really deal with me in that and said, no, I need you to take church and take what, not even churches in the building of church, mm -hmm. but the actual, the, the institution mm -hmm. of the church okay. as the body to where people are. So I started doing this thing called pop-up worship. So I would take me and some of my friends and we would take instruments and go to local parks mm -hmm. in neighborhoods and just do free nights of worship. And I started to see God move at the park the same way he moved at a mega church. Wow. I saw people lay in the grass the same way they laid at an altar. Mm. Um, and I wanted to capture that idea that God is not just for the elite. He's not just for the church. He is the church. Um, he's not just for Sunday. Mm. He's for Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday. <laughs> he's not just for these buildings, yeah. but he's for the places where people gather. Um, and so what we did was we took about 50 or 60 friends to a farm outside of my oh. hometown. Um, <laughs> and we recorded the whole thing outside. So oh, we taught some nice. music to everybody. So on every track, you'll hear people's voices singing and worshiping wow. at the gathering. But why farm? <laughs> I love outdoors. First is vegan. I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, there's a, it's it's a particular property called Serenby, and I had been there about a year before, and I had just gone there and really started to use it as a place for my personal meditation to kind of get away from the city and mm. when I was traveling so often, and I just started meeting God there so mm. frequently, and I thought that that place was really sacred, and the idea when we think of sacred, we think of a church and yeah. a steeple mm -hmm. and these nice pews or yeah. chairs or whatever <laughs> that you have, and I found like these woods and this lake and this grass is just as sacred as where I'm seeing on Sunday and I yeah. wanted people to be able to experience that yeah. too. It's a bit like the war room isn't it? Yeah yeah it is. How important do you feel it is for a Christian to kind of take time to just be in a place that's just away from everything? I think as as much as technology like serves us in such an amazing way that we get to spread the gospel, mm -hmm. even like what we're doing now. Yeah. Like this will <laughs> go to people that yeah. we'll never meet and we'll never see, right? And so it's an amazing tool, an amazing function. But sometimes what it does is it creates so many things that are fighting for our attention and Very for true. our affection. Mm -hmm. We have so much access. And so I think like taking some time to say, I'm gonna decrease the amount of things that have access to my heart mm -hmm. and my mind and my thoughts. I'm not saying you have to go live <laughs> on a farm. If you do, that would be so dope and invite me. But <laughs> I think there has to be intentional time to like say, I'm gonna let one thing influence me for a certain period mm. of time. And I think nature is such a dope way to do that. Yeah. yeah. Nice, okay. So we know you love music. I do. You, you love God. I do. But what else do you like, KCJ? Vegan food. Apart from that. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Just food. Yeah, you're a foodie. <laughs> I am a foodie, I am you, you found out. Um, like activities. I do, I love open air market. Everything's around food. It's fine. The answer is apparently food. <laughs> I was trying to think like, oh, let's do something not food. The market where they sell food. Um, God gave it to us in abundance. I, no, no, I love like community markets or like open air markets and mm -hmm. things like that where people are selling like their handmade things. Okay. Like I love okay. that. So not just food, yeah. soaps, bags, clothes, okay. whatever. Yeah, you're just, you've got creative written <laughs> all over. <Do> I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's so dope to see there's a place where I'm from that is called um, Citizen Supply. Okay. And so basically different artisans come and rent space. Mm -hmm. And you can not only purchase their 
whatever whatever item they're making, mm-hmm. but they actually make the item where you where where they where you stand, right? Nice. So you can go and see somebody make a leather purse oh, or see wow. someone sewing whatever shirt. Cool. Yeah, it's super we, super dope. We hardly get to see you that. don't get to yeah. see it. So I feel like you always get the end product, and maybe it is the creative in me yes. that like really <laughs> wants to see the process of yeah. how things happen. Mm-hmm. And so places where that is sort of highlighted and illuminated is super cool. Yeah. Now I want you to talk to me about your team. My team, I, I love them. I love them. I love them. They keep me together. There you go. Like I feel like we always want a team that can push us. And yeah. So how did you kind of get your team together? Because it's never easy. It is <laughs> that. That's the truth. Yeah. It is never easy. <laughs> it's definitely been um, kind of a process of transition. Um, and I think one of the things that I think about when I think about how my team came to be most of my team that I have now that God has really blessed me with was around before it was before I needed them on my team I just needed them in my life like I just needed them as friends like I think about my business manager Stephanie she was the first person when I first started just leading worship at my church she walked up to me and said like God has assigned me to you so whatever you need so she would come over my house and like help me clean or she would she brought me my first bag that had money in it. and I was like no one's paying me <laughs> ma'am to sing so I'm not sure why we have a money bag and she said but they will mm. and when that happens I want us to be prepared and to this day like that's her same wow. thing like she's always thinking ahead of where God is taking us and then like my best friend became a manager <laughs> friendager oh, friend yes. friendager right we need now. to get that right Right. (laughs) And and for me, it's people that know my heart, um, because the truth is that the more the more you grow and the more you change, um, you won't be in every room always being able to advocate for yourself. And you'll have to send people Mm -hmm. that know what it is that you care about and know what it is you would say yes to and know what is what it is you would say no to. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have to have people that are not just invested in your artistry, but invested in who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Like these people love Casey. Like KCJ is a secondary part yeah. of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think, honestly, I don't know if I found them, but they mostly found me. Oh. Um, and so I'm super, super That's the blessed. Moment. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Thank God for that. Yes, absolutely. Now let's talk about like kind of the hardships. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, when you get into music or whatever, if anyone gets into anything, mm-hmm. sometimes the people that you think are gonna support you, mm-hmm they don't end up supporting you. So how do you deal with that? I think for me, I'm super grateful that I spent so much time without a platform and I spent so much time serving with no agenda. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't looking for anything and I just kept showing up Mm -hmm. and I kept showing up even for things that I wasn't qualified for that no one was asking me to do Mm -hmm. or nobody was congratulating me like I remember spending nights building sets at my church there was nobody like (laughs) saying you're you're amazing with that hammer you're great like there was nobody necessarily congratulating me and so by the time I I got a platform or whatever we would think about that like it didn't matter to me if people were patting me on the back I wanted to be obedient Mm. like I wanted to know I was in the right space so I think for people whatever amount of time it takes to cultivate that spirit on the inside of you where you just want to be in the right place Mm. that God has for you like take that time yeah and then the platform won't be difficult if people don't support you because you're you're serving for really you serve for one but you serve others yeah you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like you're, you're serving other people, but the, the heart of it is that you're serving one person. Definitely. And I think if you cultivate that when no one knows you mm. and you have the opportunity to do that, consider that a blessing. 
Because we say like, oh, why hasn't it happened for me yet? Or like, I'm the most amazing dressmaker <laughs> ever. Everyone should know me. I'm like, no, this is the grace of not being known, mm. that you're cultivating who you are and it's being rooted in who you are and people won't be able to sway that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Now, do you mind sharing like maybe a tough point in your ministry and how you came out? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think after I finished the first record, it was like so much success, right? Everybody knows Fill Me Up, <laughs> the Fill Me Up girl. And and then the second single, which was just a song I wrote called I'm Yours, became yeah. this huge thing. Um, <laughs> and I started feeling this pressure of like, who do these people think that I am? Like, I, I didn't have a good grasp on what other people's perception of me was. And that started to really concern me. Like, do you guys think I'm like perfect? Like, what? <laughs> What is happening? Yeah. And there was so, and it seems weird because you want people to like you. You don't want to yeah. walk in a room and people want to punch mm -hmm. you in the face. Like <laughs> it's great for yeah. for people to to be excited about your presence and be excited about what you have to offer. But it brings a pressure that can sometimes be extremely difficult. Mm. And it's difficult for those of us. I don't consider myself an extrovert. I don't consider myself like I love people, mm -hmm. but I'm get really nervous around groups of people. So I felt like all the things that I knew were my weaknesses weaknesses were yeah. now being on display. I see. <laughs> and that is hard. Yeah. It's like I can write songs and give them to somebody else and let them <laughs> sing it. But now yeah. it's like go here, go there. And that makes me anxious. And everything that made me nervous was now the thing that I needed to be able to do what it is I was called to do. And that was a difficult Thing. And I was like, my teaching certificate wow. is still valid. I can go back to the classroom. <laughs> we can just let this go and be like, this is a great run. Yeah. One record and we're out. <laughs> um, and God had to really cultivate in me the idea to not be faithful to the platform and be faithful to the vision. And whatever that vision was, like I had to stick that out. Mm. What is the vision, Casey J? Um, the, the, the vision is that there... There are a thousand stories to be told and they all have the exact same ending that God is and has always been good. Mm. Um, and if we don't tell those stories um, and if we only just say God is good and we don't say how we know it to be true. Um, and I think, and it's crazy because when we read scripture, that's really what scripture is. When you think about the parables that are in scripture, there are literally stories that have the same yeah. moral God <laughs> is, and has always been good. And I don't think that that's an antiquated pa practice. And so for me, I'm super, super excited about telling my own personal stories or stories that I hear from other people and saying like, no, God is good. Yeah. Like beauty for ashes <laughs> is a real thing. Yeah. Joy for mourning is a real tangible thing that mm. God wants us to have. And so being able to share those stories through music or through speaking or interviewing yeah. or at the coffee shop, <laughs> <laughs> wherever, like, like that's my heart to yeah. see people hear these stories and be like, Oh, not just because scripture said it, but like there are people who know and have, have lived it and know it to be true. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. Now you've got a new song. I do have a new yes. song. Can you talk to us about I can. that? I can. I <laughs> can. That's funny. I feel like it's everything we talked about wrapped together. So the new song is called If God. Yeah. Um, and it came from a story. Yeah. It came from, um, I was at pop-up worship that I was telling you about. Um, which causes us to have a lot of conversations with unbelievers mm. or people who are really, really far from Christ mm. or really had aughts against the local church and things like that. And so they would kind of show up and I'd be like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> and someone asked me a question. They said, if God is so good, then why did this happen? Yeah. And it was one of the worst things I ever heard in my life. It's a big question. It was a big <laughs> question. And I literally was just sitting there with my mouth open like, 
and not that I didn't know that he was good, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to explain his goodness when someone was having a really, really not so good experience. Yeah. Um, and I had a terrible answer then. I can't even remember what I said. I'm sure it was like stuttering and like, you should read the Bible. It'll tell you. <laughs> it was like really just dumb and awkward and it wasn't a lot of thought into it. Um, and after that, I started to think about like, how do we share God's goodness um, in a way that people can comprehend, knowing that a lot of what they see and hear and feel is not good. Mm. Um, and so there's a verse in Romans 8 that says, what then shall we say to these things? Um, if God be for us, who can, can be, be against us? Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of the verse, it starts to talk about um, into that chapter, which uh, I was talking with um, with a friend before. And I was like, I don't even make this connection, but it starts to talk about there's nothing that can separate us from the love mm. of God. Um, and so the chorus of the song says, if God be for me, who can be against me? And if God is with me, who shall I fear? And if no one knows me, still his heart adores me. Mm. So I'm safe and I'm loved and I'm healed. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Now, our last question is like for anyone who's watching today, mm-hmm. what would you like to share with them? Maybe something you want to inspire them with? Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure to, I don't even want to say be perfect, but portray perfection. Like, everything's good. How are you? I'm great. How's this? Oh, it's wonderful. How is this? Oh, everything's fantastic. Um, and, I, and I'm not an advocate of, like, saying everything sucks and everything's mm-hmm, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there is a power in recognizing that maybe where you are doesn't feel good, but the nature of who God is is good. Mm. Um, and that there's no shame in saying, like, right now this really doesn't feel good, but God is good. Mm. Um, and those two things are not mutually exclusive. Like you can't either God is good or everything's <laughs> going to be good. Like sometimes things suck and God is still good. Yeah. And sometimes we're in a place that seems really dark and God is still good. Um, and I think not only being able to recognize that, but being able to share that with other people um, is really what God talks about when he says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And the testimony is that even if things don't look good right now, And not a year ago or 10 years (laughs) ago, I struggled with this. Like maybe right now Mm. things don't look good, but God is good. Mm. And so that's what I would want to share. Oh, that's great. God is good. He is. (laughs) He is. It's so simple, but I think sometimes we miss it. Yeah. Wow, it's been amazing. Thank you. It's Thank been you amazing so too. much for coming. I love I love it. I love and it. I'm I love sure it. you'll my, be back. My honor. We'll be back soon. I hope to be back soon. Christianity magazine. In this month's issue. I've only ever been told two things about sin, says Nick Page. It's bad and don't do it. In the latest issue, he shares seven helpful tips on how to stop sinning. Liz Carter explains how she's learned the secrets of contentment, despite many years spent suffering in hospital. Pete Gregg, the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, teaches us to pray. And Joshua Harris tells us why he's pulping his best-selling Christian book. Plus, we talk to the Christians who are deconstructing their most cherished beliefs as we ask the question, can faith survive doubt? For your free copy, visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. A very good afternoon to you. You are listening to Premier Christian Radio. It's The Profile. I am Sam Hales, and we've got something a little bit different for you this afternoon. Not one, not two, but three interviews. And it's all based around a brand new TV series. It's coming to the History Channel, and it is called Jesus, His Life. This is both a documentary 
and a drama. The documentary aspect means that they have interviewed a wide variety of people, some church leaders, some historians, some Christians, some Jewish, some of no faith at all, all looking at the life of Jesus. And on top of that is a drama, a recreation of the life of Jesus, many of the most important points in his ministry. Let's have a listen in to part of the trailer. The story of Jesus is the greatest story ever told that helped shape Western culture. Teacher, leader, savior. Lazarus, come out. I am the resurrection and the life. One of the most influential figures in history. Jesus says the current world is wrong and we need to change it now. Where is he? Jesus was potentially a threat to the Roman Empire. For over 2,000 years, the story of Jesus Christ has touched the lives of billions around the globe. Jesus felt what we felt. He faced what we face today. Though much is known about Jesus and the age in which he lived, he continues to inspire new insights today. If we want to understand Western history at all, we must understand the story of Jesus. Jesus, His Life is coming to the History Channel from Easter Sunday. It's going to air weekly at 9pm beginning Easter Sunday. And just this past week, I sat down with the man who plays Jesus in the dramatic portion of Jesus, his life. The actor's name is Greg Barnett. Let's listen in to my interview with him. So tell me a bit about how this role first came about for you and why you were keen to take it on. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that, it's the sort of ultimate role, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, the, most famous, uh, the most famous person in our history. So as soon as it came onto the table as a possibility, I was, I was chomping yeah. a bit. And I guess as well... It, not only so famous but also someone who has been portrayed in so many films and so many TV shows down the years I imagine you must have been well aware of that did that present any challenges for you as an actor and kind of wanting to put your own stamp on it or not or be influenced or not be influenced too much by what's gone before yeah very much so I, I, it, it's um, it, incredibly nerve wracking because obviously like you say it's been played and portrayed in many ways we all have a relationship uh, with Jesus in, in, in one way or another. So we all have an, uh, an image or, a, or, or, or how we believe um, uh, him to be. So obviously it was very much I needed to, 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 to put my own stamp on it in a way um, to find how, how he, I could talk through his voice um, but make it accessible for everyone. And I noticed as well that the, the series is billed as a, not only historically accurate but biblically accurate as well. So, did reading the kind of stories in the Bible did that form part of your own kind of research for this role? Yeah, very much. It's, it's it's fascinating. There's so much written across the board. So, but always I would go back to the Bible as my um, as my as my base uh, sort of information, and from there. Uh, take from there and, and, and get as much as I could from the Gospels or from the writings in there and then take from all the other writings from, from yeah. both sides of the, of the spectrum and, yeah. and find out 
uh, and get as much information as I could that way. It's funny because, you know, dare I say it, I, you know, reading the Bible obviously is going to be helpful, but at the same time, there's so much still we don't know. You read the stories of Jesus and, the, you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell you exactly what facial expression and doesn't give any sense of his tone of voice sometimes. Yeah, exactly, and that's where it's up for interpretation, but that's also... Um, uh, that's also where other stuff and the, and the historical side of thing comes in, and, and, and learning about the uh, the period and, 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 and sort of how people were and how families were and how people interacted. And obviously, it's very different to to where we are now with iPads and yes. and, <laughs> and uh, internet in our fingers. So it's a it's a different it's it's such a different um, uh, take on life. Yes. So that also informs how, how to, to take on a character as well. You mentioned a moment ago that um, we all have a different personal relationship with Jesus. We all have different kind of views on him. Obviously, from a Christian point of view, someone we, we worship, believe is God. Um, someone from a Jewish point of view would see him maybe as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher, but not someone to be worshipped. Islam would have a different view, atheist. So mm. where did you come in, personally, with, with how you view Jesus going into this role? I, I think... Um, I think, it, for me, to, to take on the role is very much finding the, the humanity of him, uh, because the, obviously there, there is, he, he grew up as a human, so for, for, as an actor it's really important to, to find the humanity and to find what makes someone tick. Um, so that was very much where I came, came at it from, it was, um, uh, and, I, and, I, and I feel, especially for drama, you need, you know, if, it, if, if everything was easy for him and, and you know, it wouldn't be. It's, it's not. Uh, it wouldn't make good drama. So it's finding that human struggle, and obviously it's the biggest struggle because he's he, he's sort of dealing with with being a deity as well. But it's a. Uh, um, but yeah, it's really very much um, coming at it from a human yes. humanity and portraying his his the the human aspect of Christ. Yeah. Like it. it's yeah. interesting because obviously from a Christian point of view believing he was both fully God and fully man and again people look at past portrayals of Jesus and some have been criticised for being almost too ethereal too sort of away with the in the clouds and sort of looking up to heaven constantly mm. and, and almost not quite being there but for you though you wanted to bring back he was a man he was a, a human being and, and focus on, on that I wanted that and I also wanted the struggle of, of, of uh, discovering uh, who he was and discovering being the son of God. So it was never, it, for, for me, it was never uh, uh, an obvious thing in his life. It was something he had to learn as he went along, <clears throat> which I think the Bible um, says as well. I think it very much is, you know, it, it is his battle, it, his struggle to find his relationship mm. with God as, as much. And that's the same for all of us, isn't it? On a, on a daily basis, we sort of yeah. are finding our relationships, well, our relationships with people, our relationships with with um, the other and you know people have spoken about various points in his life maybe his, his baptism where he might have had more of an almost revelational sense of, of who he was what, what was your take on that were there particular moments in the story where you're portraying where you're thinking where you believe I think at this moment Jesus was yeah d- discovering kind of who he was and his mission would you pick out any moments in particular yeah I mean you mentioned the baptism I think that's a massive Massive part for him. I think uh, 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 that's where we first meet him in the series, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's a, a critical moment because uh, it, it's not until he's until he's about thirty that really he starts to understand. I think we we, we make it quite clear that it, you know uh, Mary and Joseph were very aware of everything, um, but even himself he was still discovering. So his journey to to meet John was a was a. Uh, it was something he knew he had to do but didn't know why and then the baptism took him 
uh, it's the first time that he encounters uh, the, the proper connection with God mm. um, uh, so yes yeah, so that's obviously a, a crucial moment the, the Garden of Gethsemane uh, the Last Supper um, uh, and then I, I think as we go so he grows and, and, and becomes more aware of himself but uh, John says John says he has to he has to um, for, I, I have to become less for him to become more I think that's a, a crucial point that they both implicitly without talking uh, they both understand that that's, that's mm. what had to happen. Are, are you at all um, nervous about how this might be received by those who who don't see Jesus just as a historical figure, but as I say, who would worship him? Is, is there a sense of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but when you take on a role like this to think, wow, this is, this is not just a historical figure for some people, this is so much bigger than that, and the stakes are almost so much higher. It's crazy pressure, yeah. It's uh, not at the time of filming. At right. the time of filming, it was, um, it was very much... Uh, 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 it was very much approaching it as I would any other part. So, um, uh, and to, to really sort of delve into, uh, 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 let's quantify that. Actually, there was always a pressure. There was absolutely always a pressure. He, it, you know, this is it, it, it's it is the biggest, like, like we said before, the the most famous person in our history. So that's massive. But actually, filming it was every day was you know as I would approach another part to find how I how I could portray it and then once you've finished and it's out of your hands and it goes to the hands of uh, editors and producers and everyone else um, uh, you then you then suddenly aware how, how's it going to be put across how of all of this and uh, um, yeah uh, it, the only way I can describe it which may not be that that clear but in, in theatre you have what's called a press night and so you build up to this press night and you're and you're uh, and it's the big night, and everyone comes in, and it's uh, and it's the opening of the show, and it's this really exciting night, and the nerves build, and this kind of it's the excitement and nerves build, and this is the same, but with that added pressure of this is this is Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's, uh, it's an incredible, and, and and how will it affect people? And how and will people who, like we said, have all these people who have such a different relationship with him? Will they will they embrace what we what we put out? Yes. I imagine it's it's it must be so difficult and so kind of exciting as well to be able to, as you say, um, put put your own stamp on who Jesus is and think through all those questions of how would he have reacted in the moment. I mean, I, I've just seen uh, you know short clips being released of the moment where he um, where Lazarus uh, is is resurrected from the dead and Jesus is there. And it was fascinating, kind of watching your facial facial expression at that moment, and it does conjure up all sorts of questions about. How sure was Jesus that, as he said, Lazarus come forth, that Lazarus really would come forth? Uh, tell me a bit about that moment specifically, because it was really interesting watching your facial expressions, and it wasn't necessarily exactly what I'd expect Jesus reacted at, but that's one of the reasons I love projects like this, is mm. it gets you to think again, well, how would Jesus have reacted in that moment? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, that was a tricky, tricky sort of... Um, uh, Thing to approach because uh, it, it's it's there's 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 so much to it. It means the the love of the the the, the sisters and 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 um, Lazarus as a brother. Um, so there's the emotion of that he has died. If it doesn't work, if it, you know he's putting his trust in this in in the, what he knows to be true. But there, at no point has he been told explicitly this is what you must do. It's, he's he's discovering it as he goes. Um, so I think, I think a moment like that 
I just had to try and play for truth and to play off everyone else. So um, facial expressions are a weird one because uh, as an actor, you, you don't always know what your face. You, you just sort of it, you have to feel it. In the you moment, have to feel it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but there, there's so much on riding that. He'd chosen not to go back when Lazarus was sick. He chose to wait for him to die so that he could almost out himself to everybody as the Messiah. So it's a massive note. So he knows that this is potentially the beginning of the end, right. that this is going to lead um, to, the, to the crucifixion um, in, a, in a small way. Then, of course, he, has the, he sees the sisters and how distraught they are um, and how, how much pain they're in. So that put them, and that's where we have Jesus wept, isn't it? So he meets them and, and so he feels that pain. Yeah, I, I suppose there is an element of... Is, 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 is there enough? Does he, does he have the power to resurrect? Yeah. I think, for me, that's how I played it. Was like, yes. There was that, that juxtaposition between um, the, you know, being the son of God and being a human. So. That was Greg Barnett talking to me about the brand new History Channel production entitled Jesus, His Life. It begins on Easter Sunday at 9pm and it will air weekly. That's all on the History Channel. Now, obviously, a huge amount of work has gone into the documentary side of this production. I mentioned at the beginning, they've interviewed a very wide range of contributors who you will hear talking over the dramatic portion of this series. They're giving their views, giving historical and cultural insights. There's church leaders such as Joel Osteen contributing. There's academics such as Ben Witherington III. There's also the well-known historian, writer and broadcaster Simon Seabag Montefiore. And he's one of the people that I spoke to in this next section, along with the producer producer of the series Ben Gould. So let's listen into my interview with those two people now. It's the best-selling historical author Simon Seabag Montefiore and also the producer of the series Ben Gould. Ben, I want to start with you. Um because this isn't the first time actually you worked on a TV show about Jesus, is it? So what made you want to revisit his life? Um no it isn't. No, we've made previous previous series and I think for this uh, this, this was a project that Utopia, we'd had the idea some time ago about finding a new way of telling the life of Jesus and I was always interested in the sort of secondary characters, uh, you know, and what, you know, what, what new insights they could give us in, you know, into the life of Jesus and that, uh, that was the initial mm. um, reason for wanting to yeah. make this. So each episode is looking at Jesus, but as you say, through the life of someone like Mary Magdalene or Peter. That's right. It starts off, the first episode is from the perspective of Joseph, um, John the Baptist, Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, through, through to the final episode through Peter. I think what originally interested me, uh, what made me, th- it was I was thinking, uh, making an, an, a, 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 another series about Jesus and thinking, what would it be like to be Joseph and to be betrothed, you know, to be engaged to a young woman who disappears for three months and then she comes back and uh, t- tells him he's pregnant, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay, what would that actually be like? Mm. How would, uh, you know, someone like Joseph react? And I think that was one of the... One of the things that we kept saying to ourselves throughout making the series is, remember these people do not know they're in the Bible. And, and the other thing about this that's, I guess, slightly unusual is, it, as I said at the beginning, it's part documentary, part drama, and you've, you've combined both. So tell me a bit about the documentary kind of aspect where you're interviewing people and getting their take on the story, because you've got quite a range of voices 
kind of commenting on the drama as the story unfolds? It was always really important that we should have a wide range of voices because, you know, although this is a series where the narratives are based on the Gospels, uh, setting them in the context of real history uh, was really important to us. And, uh, and so looking at the story from those different, you know, from, from several different perspectives, uh, which is, you know, is important and is, that's the kind of yeah. documentary aspect of the, of the series. Now, obviously, no one has a monopoly on Jesus and uh, people of varying different faiths and beliefs are all interested in him. Nevertheless, he is, of course, at the centre of the, of the Christian faith uh, specifically and, and worshipped worship by Christians around the world. So tell me a bit about if that played into your thinking. Were you having a kind of Christian audience in mind at all, or is this more something that with much broader appeal than that? And uh, wh- wh- how did that thinking factor in? Because I noticed you interviewed actually quite a lot of church leaders and Christians for the production. I think it, we really wanted to make a series that appealed to the, as broad as possible an audience, whether they're people from kind of coming to it from a faith background or, 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 or I think there's something in the series for, for everybody who's interested, who, you know, something new. Uh, and I, I think for people who are interested in the history and the context of, you know, biblical time or first century Judea, there's as much, uh, you know, to enjoy in this series. And I think from that point of view, I think it's, you know, it's undeniable that, you know, Jesus, you know, as, as a historical figure, plays a crucial part in Western history. And you can't really understand Western history without knowing that story. So that was part of the, mm. you know, part of the impetus there. Is there anything, though, in this series that you think will particularly challenge Christians' thinking and make them think again? Um, I hope it won't challenge. I think it will, you know, kind of, you know, You'll make I, more confirm. What I think, think it will be. It will illuminate. I think. I think it's really interesting to understand, you know, the the story of Jesus within the context of the story of the Roman Empire and, uh, you know, the, the 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 situation in, you know, the the tensions between, uh, you know, Roman encroachment into Judea at that time. In some ways, we we, we could say that without. You, you know, without Roman colonialism, there is no story of Jesus in that way. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have unfolded in that way. So I think understanding that for me is for something which, which I think would be new uh, for quite a lot of the audience. Mm. Simon, wanted to uh, bring you in on this. You're obviously well known as a historian, and um, you know many people would have, have read your books and watched your shows before. And again, the story of Jesus and indeed uh, where this is set, largely in Jerusalem, is, is not a new subject. For you, but what made you want to get involved in this project specifically, and what involvement have you had in this TV show? Well, I think I think the great thing about this uh, series is, is, as Ben was saying, it's, it, it's a new way of telling the story of, of Jesus. I think in history, people who read a lot of history, and I know a lot of your listeners will will have read a lot about this. The strange thing about history is that it's very uncompartmentalized. So, somebody reading a book on Jesus is, is often written by someone that knows nothing about. The, the political situation at that time, or the religious situation at that time, um, or Roman politics. Someone writing about Roman politics will know nothing about the Roman province of Judea, for example. So what's fun about this for me is that it puts all these things together. And by taking different point of views, some personal, some political, some cultural, um, it, it really illuminates um, different aspects of, of Jesus' world which really is, you know, one of the greatest stories um, in historical terms, um, decisive stories, but in faith terms is also mm. 
is also revelatory, obviously. Yeah. And what's your expectation when it comes to Christians specifically uh, viewing this? How do you? Th- what, what kind of impact do you think that a show like this will have on people who who see Jesus as someone they worship, as someone they love? I think I think that it will. Um, I think it would it would enlighten them about the the, the real life, um, the real environment, the real context. While um, while they can actually enjoy the story of Jesus just told from from different aspects, from different eyes, um, without without um, discomforting them at all. Mm. It's interesting that in recent years there's been a, a a bit of a resurgence, at least at a popular level, in in understanding Jesus again as a Jewish rabbi and putting him back into his cultural context. Even a lot of Christian authors have been picking up um, this theme, but I've noticed also a lot of Jewish academics um, in recent years have have taken more of an interest in Jesus. And again, it's getting away from this idea that any one group has a monopoly on Jesus as such. Does does that element, does that aspect of who Jesus was, his Jewish background, does that feature in the show in any way? Yeah, I mean, I think think you can't understand Jesus without the historical Jesus. First of all, but also the synoptic Jesus, without actually finding out where he came from. Um, you know, he was brought up as a, he was brought up as a Jewish boy. He was um, taken to the temple. Um, you know, visiting the temple in, in Jerusalem was a key part of being a Jew in those days. Every, all Jewish life was centered around the temple, and of course, the climax of his life was was played out um, in Jerusalem and around the, the, the halls of the temple itself. So one of the good things this does is is, is reveal um, reveal his context in that way and, and the way the way that it would have been. Ben mentioned uh, a moment ago that you have to understand Jesus in order to even understand Western civilization. There might be some people who are thinking, why? How does that work out? From your perspective, from a historical perspective, why is understanding Jesus so important to understanding so much of where we even sit in this country culturally and indeed the whole of how the West thinks? Well, because of the, because of the conversion of Constantine the Great, 300 years after Jesus' death, crucifixion, um, you know, Christianity became the state religion of the single empire that controlled the whole, most of Europe and, and the Mediterranean. And at that point... Um, it became not just a faith, but also a faith with, with a state. Um, and it became the, the main religion, the chief religion. Christianity became the chief religion, not just of Jewish people, but of all the people, you know, people of all religions, mainly pagans, who converted to Christianity. So it really is very essential. That's why this program um, has, has many different faces. I mean, it's a history program, it's a drama for those who love story. And if you're a Christian... Um, it reveals aspects of Jesus that you, you may not know, the political and historical aspects. I'm curious to know if in the, in the course of making something like this, has it shifted your own personal beliefs um, or even just your view of history, your view of who, who Jesus is? Has there been any shifts, you know, whether small or, or, or larger than that, in how you relate to these stories that you're telling? I, I think... You know, I was, you know, making this series, I was keen to tap into what is moving and emotional about the story as much as what is, um, you know, historical. And in the sense of, you know, turning, you know, potentially two-dimensional, iconic characters into real flesh and blood people, uh, you know, that's I, that's the thing that I, I found, you know, personally was kind of engaging. It was uh, the third episode on Mary, I 
found exciting because in some sense you get the sense that she doesn't people think she doesn't feature very much in the bible but then when you put together uh you know her all, all the different parts of her narrative into one one episode you realize that she does feature and there's a fascinating story about the the, the holy family uh, that people don't really know because they, they you know they, they, it's, it's it's slightly too diffuse in the bible but when you put it together to understand uh, the relationship with the siblings, her relationship, sometimes troubled relationship with Jesus, is 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 was to me fascinating. Mm. How do you deal with where we're at? I guess culturally in the West, you know, this this show's being you know be shown in, on TV here in the UK and in, in the US and indeed around the world. But certainly in our culture at the moment, arguably there's there is increased um, skepticism towards um, things like miracles. And of course, you can't tell the story of Jesus without talking about miracles. How do you think the audience will receive that element of this? Do you do you think this is a production that will make them think, well, yes, Jesus, he was a he was a nice guy, wasn't he? He said some nice things, but we can't believe all of that nonsense about rising from the dead. Well, I think that you know you have to. I mean, Ben made the decisions about how to handle these difficult these difficult questions. But you know, from my point of view, you. I mean, I've I've I'm, I've written a history of Jerusalem, which of course includes this story. And first of all, you cannot write this sort of you cannot write this sort of story or understand it unless you res- least respect faith and understand the importance of faith in in in, um, in not just in religion, of course, but in but in um, history itself. So. Um, so I think that that's, that's something you have to build into this. So I think that this series starts from a position of both trying to combine emotional and historical truth, but also um, respecting and embracing the importance of faith. But when it comes to, to telling this story, you know, obviously from a Christian perspective, we think, well, you, you open the Bible and you simply uh, you know, tell the story as is in the page of the Bible. But there will be um, sceptics who would, who would sort of cast doubts on biblical accuracy and things like that. So, Simon, how do you deal with that kind of question when it comes to telling the story and how much of the biblical sources to even use? Are there other sources to bring in? Give me some insight into how that works. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are many other sources. I mean, obviously, there's the, there's, there's the Gospels, but with those, you have to... Um, you have to, if you're a historian, you want, you want to find out when they were written, who they were written by, how, how reliable they are, what order they were written in. Um, if you're a person of faith, you believe that they, they, they are God's word, and mm-hmm. so you don't have to question. So all the time in this, in this um, process, you constantly have to ask yourself, you know, is this a historical fact? And then you have to ask yourself, you know, here we come, then you come to an event, you come to an event that is really a question of, Faith, revelation, rapture, and there, there, as a as a as a modern um, secular historian, you have to say, um, if you're a person of faith, you don't question this. But if you if you want to have a secular um, explanation, here is one. Right. You know. Yeah. And you know, when I was when I was writing my book on Jerusalem, I frequently had to do that, not just not just for Christian uh, events and Christian um, theology, but those of Islam and, and Judaism too. Mm. It's interesting you refer to yourself then as a secular historian, and, mm. and is that the way you very much approach things? I mean, has, has faith on a personal level ever sort of been there in life, or has it always been a more kind of secular worldview uh, that you've held personally? Well, I'm a, I'm a historian, so you know, I, I'm interested in what, trying to find out what really happened. But as I said at the beginning, you know, when you when you cover subjects like history of Jerusalem, history of the Holy Land, the life of Jesus. Um, you simply have to respect that some things 
are miracles. They, mm-hmm. And the miracles, the belief in the miracles themselves have changed history. And um, you just have to respect sure. that. But you wouldn't personally believe that necessarily? That, I wouldn't necessarily know. But, I wouldn't, but I, the question is... Um, the question is just a decision to respect those. Sure. But, I mean, some people would say that, you know, there's no such thing as a kind of neutral worldview with this. You know, we shouldn't necessarily assume that a secular reading of this is neutral any more than a faith reading of this is neutral. How would you kind of respond to that view? Well, these are, I mean, these, are, these are really questions for the producer you have sitting next to you. <laughs> um, not, not trying to get out of that question, but when you make one of these, I can, you know, I can, I can say that my, you know, my commentary is from a historical basis, from one of ultra realism about about what the forces, the power forces that created this in, the environment in which in which Jesus lived, um, that's what I do. And um, of course, you know, I, when I write my books or when Ben makes these great series like this, this brilliant series, um, you, know, you want it to be viewed by the widest possible audience, and that includes, with great respect, people of faith mm. and people people who live in the secular world too. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Once again, if you want to check out that TV series that we've been talking about today, it begins on the History Channel on Easter Sunday at 9pm. Just before we go, I wanted to let you know that you can get a free copy of the magazine that I edit. I'm the editor of Premier Christianity magazine. That's the UK's leading Christian publication. We'd love you to have your first copy completely free. There's no obligation to subscribe at all. Just simply have a look at the work that we're putting out. And then if you like it, you can, of course, subscribe as well. But to get that free copy, just go to premierchristianity.com dot com forward slash free sample type your address in and we'll send you the mag it's as simple as that over 90 pages of content this month including my interview with joshua harris he's the author of i kiss dating goodbye also a feature i've written on theological deconstruction and even a preview of the new marvel avengers film that is coming out very soon get your free copy premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample coming up next here on premier christian radio is premier playback We will see you at the same time, same place next week. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend.